Throughout most of past human history, immigration has been a risky alternative to certain death. Travel, which we now do for fun and to show off status and wealth, has historically been exceedingly dangerous. So when God, in a global act of discipline, caused a famine which drove Naomi and her family from their home in Israel to live for a while in the country of Moab, it had to have been pretty bad to make immigrating seem like a viable option. Her husband died soon, it seems, after the move, perhaps even because of it. Travel was dangerous. Her sons must have been in their late twenties that she would dare risk moving them and that they were looking for brides soon after their arrival in Moab. They did marry, but then they both died, and Naomi was left in a foreign land with two foreign daughters-in-law, without the family she fled Israel to save, and without hope. Facing enough risk of certain death to make a second immigration seem like the only viable option. At least it would be a return home to Israel. In a global act of mercy, God removed the famine from Israel and made such a return possible for Naomi. So Naomi tried breaking up with her daughters-in-law. She would not ask them to immigrate with her. She would not needlessly risk the lives of the only people in the country she had any connection to. And what connection did they have? None anymore. Certainly not enough to take on the risks of traveling with them. Not enough to ask them to take those risks. They were young enough to remarry, but not young enough to need Naomi to find husbands for them. Certainly not enough to wait for Naomi to produce them. No, best would be for them to forget each other and go their separate ways. Sometimes the most loving thing a person can do for another is to admit that they should never see each other again. One of her daughters-in-law agreed with her. The other didn't. And for that, she has a book of the Bible named after her. But that's another story. They made the trip, Naomi and her daughter-in-law. Can this be Naomi? The people of her hometown of Bethlehem asked one another. Even when it doesn't kill us, travel changes us. And being away changes the places we leave behind. And when reunited with one another, we and the places we've left behind can often have a hard time recognizing one another. That was Naomi's experience too. And she responded by declaring herself changed. She agreed with the women of Bethlehem. It can hardly be Naomi anymore, can it? And she tried a new name. Not reinventing herself like we maybe try to do when arriving somewhere new or changed and desiring ourselves to be new or changed in ways we now have opportunity to try on. No, Naomi instead tried to describe herself as she now found herself as a result of her travels, as a result of God's global acts of discipline and mercy. The new Naomi did not even attempt to hide the blame in her tone as she declared, Don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, because the Almighty has made life very bitter. Mara sounds like the Hebrew word for bitter. And I think that that's exactly the right word for her, but not for the reason she thought it was. I like bitter, grapefruit, coffee and tea, dark chocolate, broccoli, ginger, some of my favorite things are bitter. 
When I used to drink beer before I admitted to myself that my mental health needs no additional depressants, I remember acquiring a taste for the bitterest IPAs and hop-heavy hipster microbrews. And I remember thinking, acquiring a taste? Why am I working to enjoy something that I don't already enjoy? Would it not be better to drink something I already enjoy? Except that's what I like about bitter. It takes work. It takes effort. A person can be, people certainly are, proud of their love for coffee and broccoli. They are not easy to love. It takes commitment to acquire a taste for something. And when something is good for you, it's worth it. When you really enjoy it because of the work you put into enjoying it, you enjoy it even more. Acquiring a taste for bitterness is worth it. At the end of her story, as we have it in the Bible, Naomi is praised by the women of her hometown of Bethlehem. They have not once called her Mara. They don't see any bitterness at all. They praise her for having a daughter-in-law who is better to you than seven sons. They see her holding her daughter-in-law's child born to her by the husband that Naomi did find for her. And they say, Naomi has a son. How much has her life changed? Completely and not at all. It was those same global acts of discipline and mercy that brought Naomi to call herself Mara and that brought Naomi to hold the impossible baby that meant she was really truly home again. In a place changed to a person changed by bitterness. But could she maybe have acquired a taste for it? Has she come through the other side of dangerous migrations? and personal loss, and negative self-assessments, and suffering, and pain, and death, to find joy in the life that God used all of that to give to her? Oh no, let's not ask her to be happy about her pain. But let's wonder if she could have been happy about her life without accepting the fact it couldn't have been possible without the pain. And if she learned to see that the God who globally disciplines and globally lavishes mercy on the undeserving uses both to personally bless and care for and love the undeserving, who are incapable of seeing things globally, who can only take everything personally. Can we take God's actions so personally that we learn to acquire a taste for the blessings of bitterness? It takes effort. It's worth it. Either way, God will do what he knows to be right, but there's only one way for us to appreciate him for it even when we don't like it. There's only one way to be rightly proud of enjoying every blessing. We call it faith. It's an acquired taste. And when you've acquired it, once God has given it to you, it's like coming home. You and I are dust and breath, loved by God, bought by Jesus. This podcast is written and produced by me, Ethan Cherney, a pastor at Bethel Lutheran Church in Menasha, Wisconsin, member of the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. Outro music arranged and performed by Mr. Peter Shewey, who is like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day. 
keep in touch. Reach out to us on Twitter or Facebook at Dustin Breath Pod or send an email to DustinBreathPod at gmail.com. Or you could write us a review, recommend a episode to somebody else. That's the only way other people find out about the show. Now go do what God called you to do. Be who God made you to be. See what God can do with dust and breath and faith in Jesus, his son.